Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to press play on this podcast today. My name is Johnny and I'm part of the teaching team here at the Forge. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope that today's talk encourages you. The fabric of our society has been defined by the leaps in technology and tradition. As we grow smarter, our evolution alters more rapidly. The manifestations of human intellectual achievements stream past with new updates daily. Once we were unaware of the World Wide Web and now it's a human right. Once we only used the telephone to make a call and people were smart, not objects. Almost any information we could ever need is held in the palm of our hand. But. Is the human mind built to endure such rapid progress? And which voices do we trust when life is filtered, airbrushed and spun through the PR machine? Time to expand our thinking and examine with an authority on the matter. Time to consult the authority on all matters. Time to bring about a culture shift. morning we're looking at the topic of addiction and often when we think about addiction our mind leaps to thinking about alcohol or drug dependency but often with addiction that's not actually the case uh, the organization action in addiction reckons that one in three people actually are addicted to something and I'm really glad we've got Emma Heath with us who is an expert on this topic uh, so Emma thank you for joining us and welcome welcome to the forge no, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Um, Emma, why, can't, why don't you just um, tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do? Yeah, no problem. Um, well, I, I live down in Bournemouth and I just have such a passion for seeing people get free of addiction. And I've got my own lived experience of addiction um, from the very young age of 11, actually. Um, and like you rightly said, um, for me, addiction was many things. It started off um, with food addiction and it sort of manifested into different things. I, to be honest, in all honesty, I could have got addicted to anything if it changed how I felt about myself. I had that deep rooted, just not feeling comfortable with who I was. And I found alcohol at the age of 13. And, you know, I was just off and running with that. And I don't know when it became alcoholism, um, but it just bubbled away and it just it just took over my whole life. And the thing is, I think with addiction, for me, it it, did, it doesn't discriminate against where you're from, your upbringing or anything. Um, so many people just fall into it for whatever reason. It could be that something bad's happened, but, you know, it could be a multitude of things. Actually, when some good things happen, people fall into it. And for me, I was brought up in a lovely Christian home um, and I, I had everything I wanted. Admittedly, my dad had left when I was little and... I had really sort of turbulent time with my brother, but I don't blame any of that for, for what happened. And, you know, before I knew it, I was drinking a lot. Um, and I I went to university um, and I just partied. I enjoyed it. It wasn't, to me, it wasn't anything abnormal. Uh, and it just just did something for me. It gave me confidence. It helped me to feel like I fitted in. It's, it's that cunning lie that, that, that people often say about in like addiction. And before I knew it, I was actually physically dependent on alcohol um, in my probably latter teens, to be honest. And it was through different circumstances that happened. And um, I realized, you know, just how bad it got. 
Um, but I didn't know I was an alcoholic. I just thought I was a heavy drinker. And for me, university was a prime platform for drinking and partying. And it kind of just got disguised. And it wasn't long after university that things just changed for me. And I started doing things, going against all the morals that I'd been um, brought up to respect and really good Christian morals as well. You know, my mom is such a strong Christian. And it's funny because I used to blame my parents for my addiction. You know, I used to blame anybody and everything rather than taking responsibility. And my mum, she's retired now, but she was a really reputable pharmacist. And my dad worked for Guinness. And um, even though I don't know my dad, I used to say, well, if you had the parents I had, no wonder I turned out to be an alcoholic and my brother a drug addict. Um, And my poor mum, the stuff she went through, um, seeing her daughter who had everything to live for, just throwing her life away. And, you know, it became the point where there was no choice in the matter. And that's a really hard thing to understand, you know, when you're journeying with someone in addiction. Um, you know, the amount of times people used to say to me, you know, you're a nice girl. Why do you drink so much? And you can't you just stop? Why don't you just drink, you know, so- soft drinks or just have one glass of wine and all that best will in the world. It, when you're at that point, you 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 can't. Well, you can get that. But I could I didn't know how to. Thankfully uh, for me, uh, I got into recovery 14 years ago. Um, I'd love to tell you that it's been plain sailing ever since. That's not my story. And this is often what happens, you know, because everybody's, everybody who goes through addiction, it's very personal to them. And it's, it, it's if it was just one glove fitted all, there'd be a cure for it, you know. And I get the privilege now of actually working in that sector. In, I work for a Christian charity here in Bournemouth and have set up an addiction project. But, um, you know, if God had told me 14 years ago I'd be doing what I'm doing now, I would have said you're having a laugh and probably run the other way because it just seems so much. But yeah. for me, it's, you know, he can, as it says, he can do a measure be more than we could ever ask or imagine. I've never asked for any of this. I was actually the one in rehab when everyone was saying they wanted to be addiction counsellors. that said, not for me, absolutely not. I never want to even talk about it again, you know. And um, he has a funny sense of humour. So my life's very different today. Oh, that's that's an incredible story. And I thank you for for being open and sharing that. So you just touched briefly on actually you are where you are because of um, God and his role in your life. So how does how does your faith um, with God and your trust in him impact what you do now in supporting other people? Well, it's everything. I, I feel so blessed. I describe for me, I describe... I used to describe addiction like a hole in the soul because it just, it strips away everything. Um, And when I say addiction, I think it's important to also say, you know, compulsive behaviours and habits because they're so intertwined and addiction can be such a hard word to palate sometimes. Um, So for me, that that hole in the soul one day became for me a cross-shaped hole that needed filling. And even though I've been brought up as a Christian, you know, it was given to me Christianity, whereas I never actually had found that relationship with Christ myself. And being in recovery, I was just so unbelievably broken. You know, I remember days where, you know, at my worst, I was drinking two litres of vodka a day and literally not wanting to live. And I, I just didn't have the courage to end my life. I literally... You know, you know, would would pray to God, just stop this pain, take me, take my life. I don't want to live anymore. Mm. And you know, he obviously didn't answer that prayer, thank goodness. And you know, I, I just, 
I don't know, it's just been such an amazing journey and he's been so faithful. And I say it to people I work with now, the, the importance of faith, it's, it's, it fills the void that I was always searching for. Hmm. Um, and having that relationship um, with God is just phenomenal because people let us down. You know, in, in addiction, we suggest people get people to journey with them, whether they be called a sponsor or somebody. People sometimes won't answer the phone or are unavailable. God is always there. And that's how I've always felt, you know, for all the difficult times, he's always been there and shown up and always, always got my best interest at heart. And I look back and see if, if things had gone the way I'd envisage, if I wouldn't be here today. Whereas he comes in like, and just literally has just swept in and said, actually, you know, to me, this is the path I want you to, to take. And it's having those... The clarity of mind, it, when I was drinking, I couldn't hear God. I can see how he was with me all the time because I shouldn't be here to tell the tale. But but now I can actually hear him and, and know what he's calling me into. And that that is absolutely beautiful. And So if we just think a little bit around um, addiction, like I said at the start, like we can automatically assume alcohol, drug dependency, and and we've just said actually um, it can look a lot wider than that. How do we, if we're kind of talking about addiction, if we're thinking about addiction, how can we define what addiction is and what does that look like uh, for different people? It's a hard one because it's so different for every single person. I've met people with the most unusual um, addictions and habits but they it for me it's anything that controls your life to the point where you're not living life to the full um, and you know you, you said that statistic at the beginning from action on addiction who I actually I adore because that's who I went through rehab with uh, funnily enough and it, they say that one in three people you know are affected by this well I, I read a report once that think said that about 90 percent of people have a habit compulsive behavior or addiction that if they were free of they'd be happier um, and for me that's a massive amount of people um, that that this stuff could benefit from just by being able to talk about it I think breaking down the fear and stigma around addiction is so important a bit like when I had cancer before uh, if I said to someone you know 10 years ago or, or however long it was ago you know I've got cancer people would have shied away and they didn't know what to say now it's like we know there's hope because we see it and as addiction services increase I believe in time that that will change it's changing the dialogue but I work with an amazing uh, organization called the recovery course and we run Christian recovery courses around the country and we see people with all types of addiction pornography is absolutely right especially within the church and it's something that is that taboo subject not to be talked about, but it's so accessible. No wonder people do fall into that trap. You, you know, we're in a very different world. And I, I remember reading something by John Mark Homer that the book Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and it's talking that he talks about we are programmed to be addictive. Look at Facebook, look at all the social media. And uh, no wonder addiction is on the rise. That you look at the pandemic that we've been in. I read a report before the pandemic about a pandemic of addiction on the horizon. Mm. And through the pandemic, we, you know, the key difficulty in addiction is isolation. So you've got an addiction pandemic inside a worldly pandemic toppled with isolation. You know, we've seen all extremes um, through this last year. When you think about the very beginning, the panic of food buying, 
mm. people abusing alcohol more out of boredom, uh, easy to gamble. You, you, there's so much, and it's it's so important. I feel that we we talk about it today. So that's why I'm really grateful to be able to come here and chat. But I've seen addiction at all stream extremes, and as long as it hurts that person and the people around them, it might just be individuals. Some people don't even notice. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's important. I remember one time I went to see a recovery course running and I got put into a little group of women because they have women and men's groups um, just for ease of being able to talk. And there were a load of girls sort of women my age and there was one little old lady. She looked so out of place, bless her. And I thought she must be someone's grandmother that's just brought her along. And actually, you know, we went around the room and we got to this little woman. And most of us have said we've been addicted to alcohol, you know, crack, cocaine, heroin, whatever it might be. And this little woman said, you know, Emma, I've got this habit that's controlling my life. And I was like, well, what is it? And, and she looked at me and she, you could see the pain in her eyes. And she said, it's the first thing I do in the morning and the last thing I do at night. And I spend all my money on it. And I, I've been married to my husband for 50 years and he's thinking of divorcing me because of it. And by that point, I was out of my chair like, what is it? She was addicted to cross-stitch. Wow. And I was like, well, that's something my nan used to do, you know. But it made me realise in that moment, that woman was experiencing as much pain, if not more, as I was when I was drinking two litres of vodka a day. It doesn't matter what the substance is. It's what it does to you in your spirit and in your heart. Yeah. Um, and that's where the, the root needs to be yeah, addressed. Totally. And, you know, like things like cross-stitch, the thing in itself isn't a bad thing. It's actually then our behaviour around it. And, um, yeah, the way, like you say, it controls us, that then it becomes <laughs> becomes something that's not so great. Um, great for us. So, well, so I'm not saying, like, alcohol is horrendous, you know. I mean... It's it's when we use it to the point where it, it takes away from what it was intended. Mm, yeah, totally. And um, so with that in mind, thinking um, you know, we need to change our mindsets, don't we, around what we think about addiction and how we treat people. Um, and, you know, if we said there's 90 percent of people suffering with, with some kind of addiction or um, you know, dependent behaviour, like that's all of us. That's that's you and I. That's um, what do we need to do to shift our, our to shift that mindset and to change the way we're thinking and talking around addiction. I personally think to to be able that someone can come to somebody and know they can talk to them without feeling the shame attached to it. Mm. There's such shame when you're going through addiction or behaviours that you can't even fathom why you're in it. There's a whole thing in the 12 steps about being powerless. I have not met one person in my life that chose to be an alcoholic, a drug addict, a gambler. Mm. Yes, people make bad life choices, but no one sets out. They wake up one morning and say, I'm going to become an addict. This is, you know, it's the enemy working and he's got a playground in this, you know, um, and it's about journeying with people and not necessarily having all the answers. Most people just want somebody that they can talk to, offload, listen to. There's great services out there and then you can start investigating it. But it's building up the trust with someone so that they can actually talk to you about it and not feeling, you know, shame. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't suggest enabling somebody either, like giving them money and things, which is so easy to do. I met a great group of people who I love to bits and they were in a home group and they had one alcoholic lady in their home group and bless them, they were trying to help her and they all rallied together, got some money together and bought her a car. You know, she couldn't leave her house without drinking vodka. 
So it could have, you know, been horrendous. It's it's and just educating ourselves. If someone came to you with a with a struggle, look it up. Look what what the actual symptoms are and the causes and and try and understand it a bit more but ultimately just listen to somebody first of all yeah no that's good great advice um, and a lot of a lot of addictions and behavior can people keep well hidden and they can can manage quite well um on them can't they um what sort of things should we be looking out for should we be concerned about if we're seeing either in ourselves or in others around us that might highlight mm, there might be a bit of a problem here I think, I mean, every, this is the complexity of addiction, I feel, is that if you've got a food addiction, obviously there's some very telltale signs of, you know, weight loss, weight gain, you know, hiding things. Um, if it's, if it's like alcohol and drugs, it can, it's often more obvious. Gambling, it's things like seeing money withdrawals, you know, it, so the whole way that we spot it is so vast. Um, but if somebody is out of character or you can often see it. I mean, I remember meeting a lad that looked, he turned up at a recovery course. He was gray. He looked malnourished. I, I, if someone had asked me what his addiction was, I'd have said probably heroin or something. And he was, he was 19 years old and he just looked so just void. And, and actually he was addicted to pornography. And what it does to you as a person um, is huge. So it's it's very different and it's very hard to say one thing to look out for. But I would just say, like, like I said earlier, if someone wants to talk, often it will lead into that uh, if they can feel that they can trust that individual. But, you know, key signs would be in, so different depending on what it is, to be honest. But if anyone's worried, maybe, you know, talk to them and openly ask them. Most people are willing. They sometimes just need that that question of somebody that actually asks, is something going on for you? Yeah. Is there something I'm just getting a sense that you're not yourself? Do you want to do you want to tell me what's going on? Because I might not have the answers, but I'm here to listen. If people are sitting here listening to this, listening to you talk, and there's something that is shining a light on an area in, in their own lives of like, do you know what? This isn't this isn't healthy. I've known for a while this isn't healthy. I need to do something about this. What are the first steps that people can do to kind of seek help? Uh, it really depends again on what the what the thing is, but um what I'd say is, first of all, there is no shame in what you're going through. If this talk has convicted something in your spirit that you feel it's been brought to light, then that is an area that, that could be worked on. Mm. And there are people out there that can help you. Um, people like myself and other people that work in this that have lived through it are now involved in great things around the country. Um, I, I mentioned earlier the recovery course. You can look at recoverycourse.com we're running national online recovery courses and and you're not on your own in this i i've run recovery courses for many years i've seen thousands of people come we're seeing so many more people accessing this now and, and actually the online platforms are good because people can access them no matter where they are whether you've got children or you've got a busy schedule whatever it might be coming online is often easier and um, i in the past, you know, the maximum we've ever had registered for a course is about 40 people. A lot more will turn up on a night. But with this last course, we've had like over 270 people register. Um, and that's all over the country and Ireland. And we're running them regularly. If we're not running them, we know people that are. If it's something medically that you feel 
it's you know whether it be that you're withdrawing off something or I would speak to the doctor as well they've got great connections with mental health teams and again mental health if you if you're struggling with a habit to think of mental health that can often be quite scary but actually there is a way that they can get you some support Mm. there are great Christian counsellors out there what I would say is it's like Say you're a mechanic and you're going to a job, you pack a full toolkit because you don't know what tools you're going to need for that specific issue. A bit like what I say is like grab every opportunity. Some things will work for you, some things won't. It's how you build your own toolkit in order to be able to actually repair what's gone on. And you're not alone at all, at all. That's, That's good. That is good. And um, it was about, um, well, it was a year ago this week, actually, my uh, my cousin was found um, dead in his flat. And uh, he was a man who had um, all his adult life. Um, there was addiction uh, there. Um, and when I found out he was dead, my first reaction was, what could I, what should have us as a family done, of, should have done differently to help him so that this wasn't the outcome for him? Um, And I think for loads of us, either we're facing addiction in our own life that we need to face um, or there'll be people who are close to us and our friends, our family, who we are desperate to see free from uh, free from this. Um, What can we do or what should we do as a church um, to to reach out to those uh, who are facing these? It's funny because my my passion from running recovery work, it was like a healthy frustration that bubbled away is that that people I've never met a church that doesn't want to help, you know, a community of people. This is what we're called to do as believers, um, you know, restoring the broken and, you know, helping people from the ashes, you know, that's one of my mottos is Isaiah 61. I even got it on my hand printed. Um, Sorry if you don't like tattoos, but it's it's just to remind me, um, you know, that we are we're called to do this and the problem we have is that we don't sometimes know enough we don't need to know a lot it's mm. it's like i use the analogy when i did cpr on my mum i only knew a tiny bit of first aid but that was enough to save her life and to just in you know get into that situation into the boat with that situation and it's a bit like you only need to know a little bit in order to get into that boat with that individual and journey with them and tell them that you're there with them. People have a much better success when they're doing recovery with somebody and people that, that can journey with them. And from this healthy frustration I saw of people just not, not knowing what to do, I set up a, I'm setting up a national charity, which is Star Steps to Active Recovery. Um, and that basically is about equipping the church. It's maybe having some more talks, people that have, can share their testimony it's changing the culture of how we talk about it mm. uh, not isolating people uh, welcoming people into home groups that are struggling and, and not necessarily just I, I'm not a big fan of just having a home group that's all for people that are struggling I think it's nice that we're all in this together because we'll str- all struggle at different times in different ways um, and it you know we've got the recovery course we could possibly link in help run one day maybe pray about that and see if anybody has a passion to do that. I'd come up and, you know, do some training and things like that. And we also do a recovery support program, which is for people affected by addiction. So there's a lot of people that are affected by addiction too. Um, working with the local services as well and, and offering support to them, maybe try volunteering with them for a day now and again, seeing just to help understand what's going on. 
Yeah, no, that's that's great advice. And I think, you know, walking with people and um, going through addiction is it's hard, isn't it? It's messy. It's difficult. It's um, it can be heartbreaking and we can end up being hurt. But actually, I believe it's something, you know, it's something Jesus would have done. Uh, Jesus did. And it's something that he calls each and every one of us to do, isn't it? Um, yeah, definitely. So thank you, Emma. This has been so helpful, really insightful and um, yeah, really helping us unpack uh, what is a big, big issue. But thank you so much. You are so welcome. And thank you for being a church that has started that journey and acknowledging that the conversation needs to happen. And that's what will help people to save lives. Fab. Thanks, Emma. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so why not check out Forge Church UK on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram? Or go online at forgechurch.com where you can watch other content, find a next step, give financially, or see any details of what's currently going on in and around the Forge. We're looking forward to you joining us next time.